well, folks, the year is 2021. So that means, of course, we're in the middle of the 2020 Olympic Games. Uh, and on that note, I mean, it's kind of like wrestling, you know? There's a bit of an undercard. There's the main event. I think the 100-meter sprint, that would be the main event, right? That's, that's the main event of, of the Summer Olympics. <laughs> so on that note, picture this, if you will. The 100-meter sprint is going on. You're in the race. You, Cameron Osborne. Uh, the race is starting. Everything's going. And you run past the man who is in last place. What place does that put you in? Uh, second last? Well, my friend, it would be impossible to pass the man in last place because he's the furthest back in the pack. Ah! So, uh, folks, that was a riddle, but that's not the only riddle on the show. We'll be getting to him on Monday Night Raw, but hey! We're the Shoot Brothers Podcast, and that was just something new. Uh, I am Mike, the Shoot Shepherd. This is Cameron, the Riddle Man Osborne. And uh, we're here to talk wrestling, actually. We're here to talk wrestling because although um, uh, although there is uh, amateur wrestling in the in the Olympics, there is no professional wrestling in the Olympics. That might be a little bit harder to uh, you know figure out. <laughs> I think they got rid of the wrestling as well. Oh, really? They got rid the of amateur wrestling style. also. Oh, that's too yeah. bad. That's too bad. I think so. Much to Kurt Angle's dismay. I know. So many, much to the chagrin of many uh, commentary teams who cannot say that they're an Olympic uh, amateur wrestler anymore, yeah. which is too bad. But yeah, Mike, like you said, this is the Shoot Brothers, and we pretty much have a uh, a normal-ish week. I mean, Money in the Bank is now two weeks behind us. The big SummerSlam card is coming up. And then after that, all out, and um, the yeah. the professional wrestling week just can, kind of keeps rolling on. Now that we're back with crowds, and WWE is back to doing like house shows, but they're like these super house shows that are kind of stacking these <laughs> cards a few times a week. Apparently, yeah, uh, but nothing important will happen on them. Rarely does it ever. I think there was one house show. Uh, I think the house show, I think AJ beat Jinder for that WWE championship at a house show. Um, that was a SmackDown. It, okay, oh, it was a SmackDown, but like on delay. Maybe that's what I was yeah, thinking Yeah, pre-taped, of. pre-taped. Yeah. Right, okay, so some, something of that effect. But yeah, house shows are back, not like it really affects us in any way. Uh, but of course, if there's major action that happens on one of those shows, uh, you'll hear about it here. So let's get into uh, let's get into our show then, shall we? Because um, professional wrestling just keeps moving. And let's kick off the week by crowning a brand new Tweet of the Week champion. It's the Tweet of the Week. It's the Tweet of the Week. Mike, coming up to the main roster, uh, you know, I mean, I, I certainly, suffice to say, um, Karrion Cross's ascent has been uh, has, has been a bit more difficult than I think Hunter would have re- really wanted. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, I think he thought maybe, you know, a brick shithouse guy like that, in on paper... Should be a dude who just just runs show, 
but maybe that's yeah. more of a main roster thing. We're down on NXT. You know, it's the little guys who who really st who really steal uh, the show every single night on a, on a weekly basis. And uh, this past week, a fan had uh, tweeted a photo. Karen Cross has been making some uh, main roster appearances with fans in the background. He's holding that NXT title. Still no Scarlet to be seen. And to posted a photo of uh, Karen Cross standing in front of the live crowd and uh, professional wrestling um, legend Gilberg um, in a little side-by-side <laughs> -side photo and the fan asked tell me what the difference is uh, and Gilberg he's there on Twitter he's making Twitter appearances every so often and he responded <laughs> back to the tweet I was over oh <laughs> and uh, there you have it I mean, there you have it. You got and, him. And also looking, and it is a funny, it is a funny one because looking at Gilberg and Karrion Cross beside each other, like neck up, they have the exact same, <laughs> like shaved head, goatee, like they uh, neck up, they look the exact same. And yeah. uh, Mike, I guess you were, you know, you were around for uh, Gilberg. Um, yeah. Yeah. Was he over in your eyes? Was was he more uh, over than yeah. Karrion Cross is to you? Uh, yes. Uh, well, I mean, well, there you have it. There you have it then. You know, I mean, you don't really need much, uh, much more info. <laughs> Gilberg is over. Carrying Cross is not. And, uh, the main roster might just have to deal with that because it sort of seems like his, it sort of seems like the Carrying Cross's arrival is imminent now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, uh, but Gilberg winning the title. I don't think Carrying Cross is ever, does he even have a Twitter? Carrying Cross, yeah, yeah, he does, he does. I it's it's, okay. it's one of those twitters that it's not fun. Yeah, you know, he's just sort of there posting a photo of him <laughs> doing a back workout or something, and you're like, this isn't fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, congratulations yeah. to Gilberg, uh, first time, first time, tweet of the week champion. Um, both Gilberg. I think both Gilberg and Goldberg actually might might be both might uh. Both be nope, no Goldberg. Never mind. Uh, no Goldberg. No Goldberg. Uh, but either way, congratulations to everybody. Um, time, time to talk wrestling. Yes. Well, that was wrestling. Well, I mean, yes. I guess that was wrestling related. <laughs> let's get into uh, let's get into our week then, shall we? Um, we are hot off the trail of uh, of Money in the Bank, and we are making our way up to. SummerSlam. So let's kick off this week's edition of SmackDown Live. Okay, folks, it's Friday night. It's time for SmackDown Live. It, uh, it used to be on Tuesday, but then uh, I think it was on Friday before, though. No, no, wait. We used to film it on a Thursday and then release it. It's just SmackDown Live. Because the summer of Cena keeps rolling. August 8th, The Suicide Squad. Check it out. Um, yeah. Now we did saw some commercials. He looks pretty funny. Hey, he looks pretty funny. The Peacemaker series <laughs> is coming out in January. Get your HBO Max or Crave subscription now. And at the end of Money in the Bank, we got a big old pop to John Cena returning to SmackDown, uh, appearing to be that challenger uh, for Roman Reigns in that Universal Championship at SummerSlam. And uh, John Cena kicks off this week's show, exploding through that curtain. Um, yeah, another huge reaction from the crowd as we're on the road uh, to SummerSlam where he kind of comes out and immediately just kind of reiterates his challenge to Roman Reigns. I think he's he he cussed him at some point, either called him a shit yeah. or a 
something like that. Yeah, shit or a bitch or one of those. One of those. Uh, but basically, lays down the challenge for the Universal title, and also they're in Cleveland, so he made a reference to the the baseball team being changed from the Indians to the Guardians. He wants to change his middle name to Guardian. So I don't know. That was a little. I don't think they like that. The crowd booed him when they mentioned the name change. <laughs> Cena's a good guy, though. You got to do it. I think, you know, Cena's the type of person who's, who's definitely going to promote a, a change like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah. He just eventually he tells Reigns to come on out here. But instead, Paul Heyman comes out, just talks some trash, and he does this little impression of Cena's theme song, doesn't he? Or was that Roman? Roman comes out. That was Roman who came out doing the uh, little impression. Yeah. There. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't really say yes or no. We'll get more from Roman later. Yeah. Hopefully hear more from him uh, probably at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, But before that, we got Finn Balor making his big uh, return to the ring on SmackDown, I guess, uh, against Sami Zayn. So, you know, not going to get a bad match out of those two. But. and fucking Sami Zayn, Michael Cole's done this too many times. Sami Zayn hits the blue thunder bomb, and he calls it the Michinoku driver. Uh, but come on. They're not the same move at all. Those are super different maneuvers. Yeah. Weird. And he's done it like five times. Really? I okay. I have I have not noticed that. No. <laughs> Anyways, Balor fights back, hits his big shotgun drop kicks and the coup de gras to get the win. Yeah. Kind of uh, not much to the match. I think there was a big commercial break here, which felt like it... Uh, Stopped the flow, but hey, these guys are pros. These guys are old pros who could probably sleepwalk their way through an uh, an adequate match. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, we might see more from them. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But Mister Money in the Bank, Big E, comes out to cut a promo on his huge victory. The crowd's pumped; they're chanting, "You deserve it." Uh, but then Big E gets interrupted by. Uh, Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, and then Rick Boogs and Nakamura come out, and then Cesaro comes out. Everyone just starts brawling, and uh, the baby faces stand tall. But believe it or not, this does not lead us to a big multi-man tag match. This might have been the first time that that's ever happened. I've never <laughs> seen so much beef in the ring, and then them not immediately... Uh, book it out, which almost, which almost feels almost like a weird, like lazy bit of booking. Uh, here's the funny thing. Okay. Uh, so at this point in time, we, we cut venues. We switched to this rolling loud music festival. Oh, Uh, yes. The live crowd there, (laughs) the live crowd that was watching this SmackDown, they actually do see that multi-man match. The guys just stay in the ring and they wrestle and they don't watch the rolling loud footage. Right, I did hear Rolling Loud, I guess just some music festival, just kind of like the rest of them. Uh, Yeah, some some music festival. Uh, So it's kind of an interesting look to it, but I mean, they're not there for wrestling, they're there for music. But anyways, we have these two matches, Angelo Dawkins and Chad Gable. Um, Yeah, so it's kind of cool, you know, the ring's elevated super high up on top of the stage. So you have like a crowd looking up at the ring, which you don't normally see. Mm -hmm. But... uh, yeah, you know, the match itself, nothing too crazy. Oh, you forgot Dawkins you forgot us. Wale came out with them also. Oh, yeah, Wale did the big, uh, uh, Former Tweet of the Week champion. <laughs> big professional wrestling fan. <laughs> well, eventually Dawkins hits a spine buster, gets the win. Uh, but then we got one more match here for the Rolling Loud crowd. 
Bianca Belair taking on Carmella in a SmackDown's Women's Championship rematch. Carmella's getting another shot. Uh, but, yeah, match was fine. At one point, the crowd was chanting for someone. I guess the main act of the... I didn't get his name. Of the festival? Was, yeah, I'm not sure uh, who it actually yeah, was. but Some guy, but... Anyways, Bianca hits the KOD, gets the win, retains her title. But one big thing I noticed, which you'll never see in a wrestling crowd, is when Bianca did the pin, no one was counting one, two, three with the ref. Yeah, so it's, just... it's it's certainly like <laughs> like both this and that kind of six man or whatever, um, like fighting an uphill battle for yeah, fans. It's just a whole weird thing. Who not only like let's say you're a music festival and you're going to host this professional wrestling thing, certainly SmackDown, like having Bianca Belair and Carmella is much, much different than let's say John Cena and Edge, you know, like you were to think like, if you are going to put something, it seems weird. Like, you know, like adding the professional wrestling to a music festival. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Whatever. But like you think it would almost be at like a, at like an indie production. One of those, like, yeah, hey, it's, crazy. it's there just for people to watch if they want to, not the focal point on the main stage that will then be broadcasted out to, uh, you know, millions of households. Um, you know, especially somebody like, nobody fucking knows who Bianca Belair is. Nobody knows who Carmella is. That's, yeah, that's was, tough. Uh, that's got to be tough. It was a weird experiment, uh, but we've seen a lot crazier things done of course well hey we uh, saw the fight pit so <laughs> yeah some work some don't exactly. uh they probably won't come back to this what's it called rolling loud or retool it right like i was at a music festival in tennessee where there was live there was a live uh um taping of comedy bang bang but it was very ah. it was contained in a like in a tent and then you you kind of waited in line, and then the sh- you know the doors open, then you walked in, and then you could leave anytime you want. But yeah. it, but it was different. It was very much so like no like oh comedy bang bangs here. Okay, now we're getting in line. We're waiting for this moment to come. Uh, versus like you you'd ra- like you you'd rather see. I mean, and that's and and the matches kind of suffer because of this, right? I mean, that Bianca Belair maybe fell was a five minute match. Dawkins Gable mm-hmm. was probably felt like even a little bit less, right? Because you're like, great, we have 10 minutes to change over the stage for the main event, for the main act. Let's do it, you know? Yeah. They probably, all they cared about was the visual of just having all those, the sea of people in the background. Of course, right? And, and they ha- can just dub it with the, whatever audio they want after. Of course. And then <laughs> I guess maybe... Um, yeah, maybe somebody, uh, who knows? Maybe it got a couple more eyes on the product at the end of the day, but you'll never know. Yeah, never know. Uh, let's move back into the uh, whatever arena they are in. Because backstage, Shotzi and Knox are trying to repair their tank. And Kevin Owens comes up to offer, offer some help. But then the uh, sad Baron Corbin walks up with his ketchup stained shirt on and just looking like a mess asking Owens for some advice and he just says man you've been a jerk to everyone for so long Corbin asks him for forgiveness and Owens actually shows him some pity just hands him a wad of cash out of his wallet (laughs) walks away Uh, so just when Corbin gets a little bit of hope Shotzi's tank fires the missile right into his groin Uh, (laughs) and he goes down and then the dirty dogs come up and steal the money right from Corbin's hand. And 
Owens fends him off with a chair and checks on Corbin. So, once again, I'm intrigued by this. Uh, but I feel like the crowd still does not care or does not like Corbin. Yeah, well, yeah, give it give it, give it, it a chance. You know, he sort of seems like he is the, uh, the punching bag right now. Yeah, I like this, though. I like it. You know, Owens showing him a little bit of, uh, I don't know, just having his back there for a minute. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> I just hope every week that shirt gets more and more stained on it. <laughs> yeah, a little more stained like as it goes. Yeah. Then the rated R superstar Edge comes out, cuts a promo on Rollins for uh, interfering in his match, cost him the universal title. So Seth comes out, gives his rebuttal, insults Cleveland and Edge, and eventually they come to blows. Edge hits his execution DDT, but Rollins retreats before he can get the spear on him. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, just Edge, you know, or sorry, rather Seth Rollins, you know, just that the he's such a jerk. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we all know they're going to fight at SummerSlam, so it's just going to be a couple weeks of this back and forth. Yes, exactly, right? Um, and, and you know, and it's been, I feel like it's been such a long time. Edge hasn't won <laughs> in a long time either, right? I mean, I think he won that greatest wrestling Rumble? match ever. I guess the Rumble, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was more thinking yeah. just sort of in a, you know, single or like, you know, a, a pinning type of situation. Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, the, and who knows? They might add a stip to this if they just keep going at it. Maybe a cage match or last man standing. Who knows? Yeah, something like that. But uh, finally, that Iconolast shirt now makes sense. <laughs> uh, Tony Storm making her SmackDown debut takes on Zelina Vega, who has only been back a few weeks and is already getting the jobber entrance, not even shown on television. She's just there in the ring. It's bizarre. So that's usually usually not a good sign for uh, what's going to happen next. So Vega gets a couple moves in, but Tony hits this really cool move I haven't seen her do before. It was like a judo throw into a cutter, and that gives Tony the win. Uh, so I'm happy for Tony, but why bring Vega back just to have her lose three in a row like this and not even look <clears throat> I think they call, I think they called it the Storm Zero. That was her old finisher. Oh, that was the old they finisher. Just renamed it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I remember that. I, I think I may have heard somebody say that. But yeah. So this is third. This is Lena Vega's third match back since. I mean, you know. So we, she had uh, her kind of return match against Liv Morgan, and then she was in the bank, Money in the Bank, and now this. So she's kind of she's she's zero and three. Uh, mm -hmm. Since then, has not won since September 2020 when she was, you know, on the previous contract of hers. Uh, you are right. It's one of these things where I think us on the show, we've been big Zelina Vega fans because we were huge fans of the Vegabonds, mm -hmm. right? And having like a very charismatic performer and then stripping her from what we liked about her in the first place just feels bizarre maybe you know uh even if you know she's a you know decent professional wrestler but if her real talents are on the microphone why isn't she on the microphone seems weird yeah you know at uh i really thought she was gonna go to aew and i thought that probably would have been the best fit uh especially now alistair black's there andrade's there everyone that she's involved with uh but you know i guess she's just gonna float on smackdown for the next six months i mean hey you know i mean clearly the money was enough that it was a great decision for her and her family so 
Yeah. But, like I said, Tony Storm, still happy to see that uh, at least she didn't lose her first match. Yeah, at least. But let's move along here. Jimmy Uso taking on Dominic Mysterio. And uh, just when you thought you could tell the Usos apart, goddamn Jimmy went and put some red dye in his hair. So now it's not as easy. It used to be so easy, (laughs) goddammit. But anyways, you know, the match itself was fine. You had Jay and Ray on the outside trying to get involved. Uh, Yeah, Dominic hits the 619 and then the frog splash, but Jay fucks with him, distracts him. Um, And then they do the same finish that they did to win the tag titles where, like, Jimmy pins him and Jay pushes him from behind with the ropes. So they get the win, or Jimmy gets the win. Um, yeah, you know, and the Usos kind of building a momentum. They are the champions now, and, uh, build them up as being something that's really strong, too. It'd be nice to see them maybe get some clean wins, especially if I think of, uh, groups that held all the gold, something like, uh, you know, like the Undisputed Era, or even the Hurt Business, right? Uh, let's get some clean wins so it feels like they're dominant in the brand. Yeah. Make the the cheating the last resort when you look like you're going to get beat. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, Roman Reigns isn't cheating these days. He's just dominating. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, a guy like Dominic, you should be able to beat him clean. He's still pretty fresh, pretty green. But anyways, uh, the big dog himself, Roman Reigns, comes out to give his response to John Cena. Just calls him a nostalgia act, and the crowd gives Roman the what treatment? Uh, but Roman just says, I have no desire to see you, and we are not going to see you in the main event of SummerSlam, because my answer to the challenge is no. So the crowd lets out a big boo, but then Finn Balor comes out, gets in the ring, says, if you're not interested in Cena's challenge, maybe you're interested in mine. And then the crowd turns around, gives a big yes chant, so it's nice to see that Finn is still over. And uh, Reigns thinks about it, the crowd chants, Roman's scared. And then he finally says, challenge accepted to end the show. So at this point, I'm like, Roman and Finn at SummerSlam? Surely this is a swerve, right? Uh, Cena's got to be in it. Yeah, well, I mean, it feels like obviously the bigger match is uh, is Cena, obviously. And we're like, we're not too far away from SummerSlam, I don't think. Like, not enough to have a match in the middle. I mean, yeah, this Finn booking thing, unless they just, like, kill Finn, and he's not even at SummerSlam, but, I mean, why even do this? If, I don't know. This is just seems like a weird bump. Um, I mean, Cena's Cena's going to be in the main event, right? <laughs> he has to be. Okay, here's here, here's what I got right now. Here Here's what I got. They book it as a triple threat. Roman Reigns comes down to the ring. John Cena comes down to the ring. Finn Balor comes down to the ring. Before the match even starts, lights go out, come back on. The Fiend is there, takes out Finn, lights turn off, back <laughs> on, and both of them are gone, making it a like a singles <laughs> match between Roman and John Cena. And then we get the Fiend versus the Demon, like we've always kind of known has been possible i mean mike you and i were there for the inception or that that first match of the fiend right where he took on finn balor uh that history would be there i'm gonna book that right now i like i'm gonna book that yeah definitely 
Yeah, keep, that's one way to get... I, uh, get And not only that, if that was your main event, like, triple threat, you're like, okay, great, John Cena's there, and then in the main event of SummerSlam, The Fiend shows up after months of absence, takes out, <laughs> like, I, I can see it, I can just see it popping off, um, you know, and all those sorts of things. You know, the lights go off, a big let me in, comes back on, it's all, it's all, it's all in the cards. It sounds good to me. You got it booked right there. I booked it. Book it, Vince. <laughs> well, uh, that was the end of the official SmackDown. Uh, but apparently afterwards, there was a dark match where John Cena was wrestling with the Mysterios against Roman and the Usos. And uh, the good guys got the win. Yo, I didn't know. I didn't know there was That's a dark match uh, there. But there you have it. Yeah, I'm sure the Uso took the pin. Not Roman. Yeah, I'm sure. And that was SmackDown. You know, a weird show because the way we were cutting back and forth to the music festival. But, uh, way it's got to be sometimes, I guess. Yeah. But let's just jump on over to the Monday. Uh, I mean, Monday, you know, it's kind of universally known as the the worst day of the week for a lot of people. <laughs> Monday is the worst day of the week. You got to go back to work. Sass Garfield. He hates Monday. He hates Monday. Loves lasagna. And he's a cat. He doesn't have to do anything. Just lay around the house. Yeah, he has, in theory, has no conception of the days of the week. But even he still hates Mondays. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, let's move to it uh, because it is um, Monday Night Raw. Let's get raw. Let's get raw. Right, we're live from Kansas City. Yeehaw. And uh, we open the show with new Raw Women's Champion, Nikki Ash, who comes out, gets a nice pop. People are chanting for Nikki, and uh, they give her the You Deserve It chant. So she's happy. I'm happy the crowd's down with Nikki. Uh, you know, the superhero character could easily flopped, given, uh, you know, the performer. But she uh, she's doing good. Um, yeah, and it seems like... Uh, it seems like this thing where, um, like, and Nikki Ash comes out with, uh, with this ultimate, like, um, I, you know, I had a dream and I never gave up. And as soon as I put on these clothes, I, I felt confident, you know, like all those things that like super family friendly PG WWE is super supportive of. Yeah, Mike, we are in our late 20s and early 30s. We see something like this and think it's silly, right? But like that 7-year the 7-year-old kid who who uh comes out with with that like I can be I could be her. All I need to do is put my mind to it. <laughs> you know, like I I I do really like that part of professional wrestling. Yeah. No, I mean, and Nikki plays it well. She's into it, so that definitely helps. She gets it to work. Uh, but yeah, after she's done her thing, or in the middle of it, Charlotte Flair comes out to interrupt, gives her typical heel promo, just insulting Nikki and the crowd, and you stole my title with the money in the bank, so I want the rematch at SummerSlam. But then Rhea Ripley comes out, and she got a big pop. Maybe our first ever Rhea chant on Raw, so... Well, now that we've face. kind of turned her baby face, it seems a little <laughs> yeah. bit easier to cheer for her. Yeah, after that awkward last month, but uh, well, so since April, she gives really. Charlotte, 
<laughs> yeah, really. Uh, but she gives Charlotte a piece of her mind, tells Nikki that she wants the rematch. Uh, so Nikki just jumps in, says, neither of you can beat me. I'm going to lead the change of this division. And finally, Adam Pierce, Sonya Deville come out to settle this situation. And they officially announce we're getting a triple threat women's title match at SummerSlam. But uh, Charlotte, still not happy, says, I want a match tonight against Nikki Cross. Nikki says you're on. So we'll get that in our main event. That'll be the main event. I mean, it's, you know, it's the Raw Women's title, so certainly it deserves to be the main event. Well, uh, it's implied. I mean, we'll see if it's for the title. <laughs> uh, but before that, we've got their new favorite type of match on Monday Night Raw, the Championship Contenders match, where you face the champion, and if you win, you get a title match, right? Which makes I sense. I mean, that's that's almost... I like that we got rid of the everybody automatically gets a rematch clause. I do like that. Um, but uh, exactly, yeah. If you do beat the champion, you should be the first in line. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, so Sheamus taking on Damian Priest here. And uh, yeah, I guess we don't. we haven't really seen too much of Priest since... That whole zombie incident, so nice to see him back here. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, late in the match, he hits a big spinning heel kick, which knocks Sheamus's face shield right off with tremendous power there. So he's fighting naked. and uh, <laughs> He fights on, climbs to the top rope. Priest grabs him by the throat, and he, like, walks Sheamus along the... He, like, yeah, never seen Sheamus walk along the top ropes like that, but... <clears throat> Anyways, he gets choke slammed down, kicks out at 2.9. Uh, but then Priest fights back, hits him right in the exposed face, and then hits the reckoning to get the win. So he earns a U.S. title shot. You earn the shot. You earn the shot. You know, two big dudes in this one. Um, you know, maybe we need to make up for lost time, you know, especially Damian Priest after WrestleMania. That push was sort of cut short. You know, I think there was a little bit of an injury there. Um, yeah. And putting him in the hunt for that U.S. title is a good start. Yeah, good spot for him to be in. Uh, yeah, kind of get the crowd more used to him, warm up to him a bit. I think I did see that Umberto Carrillo was on main event this past week, so I think it's safe to say that uh, he's out of the picture. Yeah, he had his shot. <laughs> and uh, now, yeah, we'll see him again in eight months. Yeah. Or something. Uh, but... We've got a real championship match. The Raw tag titles here being defended. Of course, AJ Styles and Omos against the Viking Raiders. Uh, similar to their previous match, the crowd just loves AJ and Omos. They're pretty much just baby faces now. They weren't even really trying to cheat or anything. Uh, but yeah, uh, AJ does most of the match. He gets beaten down. So Omos gets the hot tag, picks up Eric for a big stalling scoop slam. Just walks him around the ring, and then he hits his big two-handed choke slam. Tags in AJ to hit the springboard, 450 splash, and they get the win, retain their belts. And uh, it really seems like the return of live crowds have made better use of Omos and AJ. Hell, maybe they were just uh, kind of waiting for um, you know the live crowds to return to really see how the audience would respond to it and uh, they're growing into a team and it's been a fun ride and AJ Styles is 44 years old and still does 450 <laughs> splashes isn't that amazing 
He'll be doing them until he's 450 years old. I, honestly, he might be the first person to uh, he might be the first person to do as many rotations as he is age, uh, <laughs> as many degrees of rotation. Um, Viking Raiders, uh, they always look great, even if they lose. This won't be the last time that they uh, put up a fight for um, these tag team championships either. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Then Jinder Mahal comes out with his new personal attorney. And they demand an apology from Drew, but he just says, no, thanks. I'll just beat up your buddy because Drew's taken on Veer. Uh, yeah, you know, nothing special. Jinder grabs a chair, causes the distraction. Uh, or eventually, Jinder hands the true over to Veer. Uh, but then Drew claymores the chair into his face. The ref doesn't like that. Calls a disqualification. But he gives the win to Drew. Which, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I really need to uh, I need to check out the uh, the official, the referee for this match. Because, uh, of course, these are the types of moments uh, which, you know, lead to ref of the year when it comes to shooties. Um, <laughs> those odd little choices. I actually think I have a few uh, nominees already for me. It feels weird because uh, I thought this... Uh, this rivalry was easier than y- you uh, you know you 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 ruined my bike i thought the rivalry was going to be like we were both in a faction together we were both fired and then we both came back and won the wwe championship separately at different times but like i thought that was the narrative that was kind of in place to be good yeah i don't know i mean Either way, to me, this is going to be one of my least cared about matches on SummerSlam, if that's what they're building for, Drew and Jinder. I just don't really care that much. I mean, unless it is in that Punjabi prison, in which case... Uh, <laughs> that's the only way. In that's which case, because I, I need them to... I, I, I'm, uh, what I'd be most looking forward to is the 14 and a half minutes that they need to explain the rules of, the Punjabi, of, of that Punjabi prison match. Well, uh, that's it think afterward drews beats up his lawyer so that might get him in some severe legal trouble <laughs> yeah a bit of cheap heat there though but the, the i mean the crowd seems to uh the crowd seemed to <laughs> like it but yeah it certainly seems like some kind of last man some kind of stipulation matches on the card uh for these for these two we'll see but we go back to another championship contenders match even marie and Dewdrop taking on natalia and tamina uh but during the match Natalia goes for like a crucifix or I don't know she rolled her foot appears to injure herself legit uh she kind of limps away tags out for the rest of the match so uh even do drop though they they weren't arguing as bunch they're working together a bit uh things are going well but then in the middle of it all the video screen Lily appears and uh Lily's doing a parody of the whole Eva Marie vignettes the Lily Lucian and this is where I learned that Lily is spelled with three L's. Uh, which I L's. thought it was two. Uh, that yeah. third L really took me out of the, out of the mix. <laughs> well, it took uh, Eva out of the mix as well as she was too distracted. Turns around. Tamina hits her with a big super kick to get the win. And then Natalia's helped to the back by the medical staff and her partner Tamina. Yeah, I hope she's all right, of course. Uh, You know, shit happens. Um, Hopefully, 
not only does she uh, recover soon, but hopefully this doesn't mean that those belts are in limbo. Yeah, I mean, they've already, I mean, they're almost always in limbo, so hopefully not. Uh, but let's move on to uh, the subject of the Tweet of the Week, Karrion Cross, taking on Keith Lee, and Scarlet is still nowhere to be found, which... I I don't know. I think they are much better together than separate. Well, we've never even seen Scarlet on her own, have we? No. No, I I mean, I don't know if she's ever has she had a match even in uh NXT? No, I don't think so. I don't even I I, I do not even know what her kind of chops are. Yeah, like, I think she's trained. Uh, she has somewhat. her last match was August fifteenth, twenty nineteen. So almost in NXT. Uh, no, not, it was in, in uh, something else, and then she was in AAA a little bit before that. Yeah, twenty well twenty nineteen were her last matches. Uh, so yeah. I'm sure she's training down there at the PC to do something. I just really yeah. couldn't tell you, uh, you know, what's going down. Well. Either way, this match here, uh, Cross suplexes Lee on the floor, gets him in the cross jacket, but Keith Lee's able to power out and break the hold. He goes for the spirit bomb, but Cross reverses it into a Saito suplex, and then he hits his big elbow to the back of the head. What is he called? The Doomsday? I think so. Yeah, and then once again, locks in the cross jacket, and this time Keith Lee taps out. So, I mean, it's good for Cross that he didn't lose again, but now Keith Lee has lost two in a row since coming back after, like, eight months of being gone. I, isn't that so bizarre? Um, now, I did hear a little rumor train that uh, this match was supposed to be a rematch with Jeff Hardy, uh, but yeah. Jeff Hardy tested positive for COVID, so he will be out for the next little while. But I did also hear that Jeff Hardy was supposed to win this match and that this was a very last-minute decision to make, was to put <laughs> Keith Lee in there. And whenever I hear last-minute and WWE, I always know the result is going to be the wrong one. And I'm always just like, but if it was last-minute, why didn't they uh, book literally anybody else? Literally yeah. anybody else, if they wanted Karrion Cross to get the win. Uh, it seems weird that this is the first time that... I mean, we've had NXT superstars on the main roster before in smaller chunks. You know, Kevin Owens showed up that one time. Of course, Paige showed up in a glorious fashion. Uh, but it seems weird that um, n- now this is two weeks in a row of this happening. With no, with no real, like... You know, it doesn't seem like there's a purpose. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, yeah. <laughs> I honestly don't know. What the I, hell are they doing? I honestly do not know. Uh, clear, this, clearly yeah. Vince likes him because he's big. And yeah, wants This match was like a lose-lose. Him. Yeah. But then, yeah, why did last week even happen with Jeff Hardy? Who knows? Yeah, it seems very bizarre, but yeah, I think, you know, Karrion Cross going to the main roster sooner rather than later, and then, I mean, who who knows how those contracts work either, right? You know, maybe if, he, if, if having you on the main roster means you got to pay Karrion Cross and Scarlett more money, and then Vince might just say, actually, we don't need, you know, the eye candy, we just want, 
Uh, you know, the, the, the other eye can, <laughs> we want the, uh, we want, yeah, well, to, to Vince, I think, I think, uh, Karen Cross is more eye can, eye candy than Scarlet, I think. Um, but yeah, and also maybe trying to avoid that odd lip syncing thing that they'll need to, uh, kind of sort out with Scarlet. Yeah, she might need to, she might need to start wearing the, the inner ear monitors like Rick Boots. And then actually the sing? Timing, right? <laughs> well, no, probably not that. Uh, exactly, yeah. Uh, but we've got some tag team action. Mustafa Ali and Mansoor taking on Mason T-Bar. And this match actually surprised me. It ended up being pretty good. Uh, for what it was, you know, Mustafa Ali was taking some big bumps. Got the crowd going. Kind of turned his team into the baby faces. You know, he was helping out Mansoor. And, uh, yeah, Ali hit this big suicide dive into a DDT on the floor. Mansoor uh, springboards into the ring. Mace catches him, but then Mansoor turns it into a victory roll and gets a three count. So that's a huge win. Got to give him. This match was, you know, kind of nothing on paper, and I don't know. Ended up being pretty fun. Crowd was into it. <clears throat> Crowd was into it. It was quick. It was probably less than yeah, five. It was short. Probably less than five minutes, but you know, showing Mustafa Ali and Mansoor's partnership. Um, Mason T-Bar. It's like every week they're being repackaged. Now, this week, their most recent repackaging was somewhere between the Ascension and the Road Road Warriors. Yeah. Uh, Somewhere in the middle there. God, it's almost hard to remember some of those fun Dominic Dijakovic moments from uh, what feels like years past now. I couldn't even tell you, is he Mace or T-Bar? I don't even know anymore. Um... But, uh, doesn't matter. I mean, it honestly doesn't, um, you know, uh, Dominic Dijakovic, who, yeah, we lost that name mid July of last year, I think probably mid summer mm-hmm. was when that Around happened. This time last Around year. this time last year was when he kind of lost that name. Uh, yeah, just, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, has there ever been question for you though? Has there ever been a. A uh, or in old WWE, WCW, whatever, uh, like an like a like a cruiserweight tag. Has that ever existed? Uh, ta- cruiserweight tag belt. Yes. Uh, not in those promotions. Not in one of the major like promotions. Yeah. Okay. I was Maybe just curious. You know, I mean, guys, guys like uh, Mustafa Ali and Mansoor, guys who would be on that like two hundred five live crowd. Uh, you know, just wondering if they had a, an objective, a goal to shoot for. Yeah. Well, they can still hope for the... the of course, they can title. hope for the, uh, you know, for the normal ones. Yeah, but... Uh, Bobby Lashley and MVP come out to address the challenge from Goldberg. And Bobby says he won't even dignify with a response. But then former members hurt business. Uh, Cedric Alexander comes out. Followed by Shelton. They both kind of just, they want a piece of the champ. So Lashley says, I'll take them both on. Same time. And that just jumps right into a handicap match. So uh, Lashley just dominates the two of them. Hits a big spear. And then the jackhammer on Shelton. And then he hits the dominator on Cedric. Slamming him down onto Shelton. So pins the two of them at the same time. Looking almighty as, as he is. Yeah, so um, remember they had their breakup a long time ago, and then I think Bobby Lashley probably definitely had individual bouts with both Shelton and Cedric, and now 
having that handicap match. I think uh, he seems to have a lot of these handicap matches, uh, or maybe just feels like he does sometimes. Uh, the crowd, though, still super behind, or this crowd, rather, is super behind Goldberg. Uh, sometimes some of MVP's promo is being drowned out with some of those Goldberg chants. And, Mike, as, as a man who has seen Goldberg twice now, once in action and then once just to give a couple spears to Dolph Ziggler, uh, is he... Well, that was a match. That Was, just, was that, that a was match? match and then he came back after he won. And oh hit him yeah, more. yeah. Dolph Ziggler was saying like, "I'm not done" or something yeah. like that. And it was a, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I saw Goldberg. It is fun to do the Goldberg chant, but I wonder almost if it's like, Mike, are you doing the like you specifically? Are you doing the Goldberg chant because it's fun to do, or because you want to see him wrestle? Um, I guess a bit of both. Mm -hmm. I do have some nostalgia. Not that I was ever a huge Goldberg fan, but uh, I guess part of it is being caught up in the moment. And once he actually enters the building and everyone's hyped up, it does get you kind of excited. Yeah. So, I don't know, but it's a bit of both. It is a bit of both. And the crowd, wherever we were on this night, uh, yeah, really did seem to be behind uh, Bill Goldberg. It really does seem like for all the hate that he gets, no matter where you go, he is yeah. cheered. He is liked. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. The online wrestling community is loud, but still a very small portion of exactly, the, the overall audience. Exactly, yeah. But, uh, you know, there still are hardcore crowds. He was in, like, Chicago or New York or something. It might be split, but... Yes. Anyways, we go backstage where AJ and Omos approach Miz and Morrison for some kind of proposition. But Omos just stands in the way, so he can't hear what they're talking about. <laughs> hmm. So that means something. Uh, but they got to head to the ring because Riddle is taking on John Morrison, America's Moist Wanted. That they're they're going with it. Uh, but yeah, great babyface reaction for Riddle. He's doing all. He's coming out. Lots of fist bumps into the crowd. They got signs for him. So as we predicted, people love Riddle. Crowds love Riddle. Yeah, it really seemed like a no-brainer. His fun personality, uh, Mike. This also, I think it was during. This matchup, I noticed it, or like during these entrances, I noticed it, uh, but it may have been happening throughout the rest of the um, throughout the rest of the evening. There seems to be some kind of new animated robot uh, oh, mascot yeah, yeah. that kind of flies around in that like superimposed CGI uh, way. You know, when it's like you know, right during the entrances and all that, kind of looks like um, uh, Eva from uh, the the fe the female uh, robot in Wally. -E. It kind of has like a little bit of a oh, kind of yeah, had a yeah. bit of a vibe uh, like that. It kind of floated around, had a head with like you know like a a robot, a robot. Yeah. Uh, so keep that you know keep keep an eye out for that because Fox, of course, has the <laughs> uh, has that the football uh, the football oh, the actual football one <laughs> that that yeah. we know from uh, football games. And uh, who knows, the our robot could be back. Yeah, yeah, no, I did see him throughout the show. Uh, but, yeah, of course, so Riddle's taking on Morrison. You have Miz on the outside, squirting Riddle with a dripstick. Uh, so Riddle turns around, hits him with a huge kick to the face, just knocking him out of his wheelchair. And then, uh, yeah, Riddle hits a nice springboard floating bro to Morrison on the floor. But then AJ and Omos come out. Riddle's in control of the match, uh, climbs to the top rope. But then Omos just picks up Riddle's scooter and breaks it over his knee. So this distracts Riddle. He's very upset. 
Morrison picks him up, hits this weird, like, spin-out crucifix slam, and then the Starship Pain to get the win. Wow. Yeah, so big win for uh, Morrison, and right after AJ Omos, they jump in, beat Riddle down, hit him with the Styles Clash. Everyone's waiting for Randy Orton to come out, but he's still nowhere to be found. Still nowhere to be found, you know, maybe. Uh, and surprising for AJ and Omos, considering how their response has been the past couple of weeks, right? We almost thought of them as maybe being uh, babyface uh, yeah. contenders, right? Babyface champions. Um, yeah, maybe with a, a little less distract, maybe a more fewer distractions, maybe a couple more minutes. This could have been totally match of the night. Uh, these two yeah. guys are both just like incredible athletes. They've been carrying the mid card these last couple months. Yeah, they honestly have, especially with the Miz out of action. Uh, yeah. You know, John Moe, um, you know, gets the odd win over people, but you know, uh, this, this seemed like a bigger win than usual. Yeah, and it didn't hurt Riddle too much because of all the shenanigans and mm -hmm. you know, it's just making the crowd. When Orton does pop, or when he comes back, he's gonna get a huge pop. To save Riddle and set up the SummerSlam tag title match, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because that'll be a hot match. I think so. But uh, not a hot match is coming up next because it's a 24-7 title. But we got the new champ, Reginald, defending against the uh, the cornerstone of the division, R-Truth. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I will say Reggie had a cool entrance as he runs down to the ring. He bounces off a hidden trampoline, so it looks like he just jumps off the floor, hits a perfect sideways flip, landing in the ring. Yeah, didn't Sin Cara Which... used to do that, or one of the Lucha House Party? <laughs> yeah, Sin Cara did, but his wasn't quite as cool. Okay, yeah, like yeah. a somersault. Yeah, this was better. Truth was even impressed, and he wrestled the whole match with a, a headset microphone on, just reacting to Reggie doing his all his stunts. Yeah, almost like uh, somebody else did that also. Uh, remember when Leo Rush would just like be talking during the entire... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. You know, Reggie's just flipping around. He hits his little senton, gets the three count to retain. The gaggle comes running after him, and Reggie hits another huge flip over the top rope to the floor, this time landing on his feet. No trampoline. That's got to be bad for the knees. Ooh. He escapes with his title. So, I mean, at the very least, it's something slightly new for the 24-7 division. Yeah, slightly different. That was a cool uh, That was a cool little flip out at the end. Um, you know, certainly his acrobat acrobaticisms are very impressive. But yeah, to take up time with the 24-7 championship is always, for me, a little like... Ah, like that was some that was time <laughs> that could have gone towards something else. But I don't know. Is uh was the uh what was the other one? The hardcore championship. Was it defended on a you know, a, on a basis or was it still that like anytime anywhere? Or was there ever like this is a match? Yeah, it was both. It started off as just on only matches and then they added the 24/7 rule. And then it seemed it like it was mostly something that was like for for house shows yeah uh i mean it was still people still they cared about it a lot more than 24 7 title that's for sure yeah okay like you could have it in the middle of a wrestlemania and people would get excited hmm. 
Okay. Like, yeah. Yeah, good to know. The Undertaker held it at one point, so that tells you something. So that's going to put a little bit of prestige behind it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some top guys, you know, Mick Foley, Undertaker, Jeff Hardy. So, yeah. It was it was all over the place. Way better than the 24-7. Hmm. Okay. But let's go to the main events here. Uh, we got the, well, no. Uh, yeah, I was confused because earlier in the show, it made it sound like it was going to be for the title. But it's actually not. They call it a championship contenders match, but it's not really that either because Charlotte's already got a title shot. So I'm like, what the hell is this match? It's just Charlotte versus Nikki Ash, right? Yeah, I was also a bit confused, and I and I didn't want to go back uh, to uh, to see what it was. Um, I also it was just kind of like, okay, I guess this. It, it almost felt like something that. Maybe, yeah, maybe we heard properly the first time, and then they just sort of retconned, and, you know, I mean, backstage changes, and then it's like, okay, we're just, forget about this. Yeah, I don't know, but either way, you know, the match itself was fine, just going back and forth. Uh, Nikki, even though she's the champ, she still feels like the underdog. Uh, Yeah, Charlotte's just smacking her, bunch of chops, turning her chest red, but uh, Nikki fights back. Hits some of those high-flying moves. Goes for the crossbody off the top rope. But Charlotte catches her, rolls through into the pin, and gets a three count. So, at the end of the day, I'm glad this wasn't for the title. Uh, But still, I mean, yeah, I don't know. This was weird. Weird. Uh, Nikki Ash on this hot streak, and now she loses, even though she didn't lose the belt. Just felt kind of... I don't know. This whole match didn't need to happen. We're already getting it. Uh, well, yeah, and this was uh, her first match since winning the championship, right? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, because she wins the money in the bank. The very next night, she cashes in. Uh, I know they were doing some live shows this past week uh, where, you know, she got the wins. Um, but, yeah, it feels like a, a scary move to have her lose in her very, very, very first match. Yeah, and then afterwards, Charlotte gets interviewed and just mocks Nikki, but Nikki grabs the mic and just cuts a babyface promo, and I can beat you, challenges her to a rematch next week. Charlotte says, you got it, but then sucker punches Nikki and beats her up in front of the fan in the front row who's got the Nikki Ash sign. Charlotte stands tall to end the show. I mean, Charlotte's still doing one hell of a job. Still can't blame her. Can't blame her yeah, for I her mean, booking. I mean, it's... Uh, uh, <laughs> I guess I can't, but nope. No, at the very least, I mean, Nikki Ash has closed out Raw two weeks in a row, so they see a lot in her. At least I hope. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be nice to see. Uh, uh, yeah, who knows? It'd be nice to see her make her way through SummerSlam. Uh, we don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, Mike, should we take uh, a break? Yes. Uh, just one other thing. Oh, okay. Much like SmackDown. Just to mention, because uh, there was also a dark match featuring John Cena on Monday Night Raw. Oh. Where he, he teamed up with Riddle to defeat Mason T-Bar. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, fun for the crowd. Cena seems to like Riddle. They had the little bro down. And now, how do dark one. matches work in terms of kind of overall win-loss record? Is a dark match or a house show kind of put in like a separate uh, category? I guess so. I mean, not that they really keep the stats. Uh, certainly, a dark match I think doesn't really count for anything. Yeah, like I think maybe when they ca- when they when they count things, it's like stuff that's on television. Yeah, that's sort of like what they but look for. And in the sake, sometimes if it if it's to their advantage, like Goldberg streak, 
they would count all the house show matches. Yeah, well, so you could of rack course. Up five wins in a week. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> if it's to their advantage, uh, WWE yeah. will do anything. Uh, so that makes sense. But uh, yes, let's take a break here. Come back with the second half. That sounds great. We're going to come back with the second half because we have more NXT action. We, of course, have Fight for the Fallen over on AEW Dynamite. So you're going to want to stick around. It's going to get crazy. Let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Brother, brother, yeah, let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Yeah, let's shoot. Brother, brother, yeah. Back here with the second half of the Shoot Brothers Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for sticking it out through the break. Um, we covered our main roster WWE action. Of course, uh, SummerSlam is coming up. It's a few weeks away, but uh, it will still be here um, sooner than you can uh, sh shake a stick at. Uh, but, um, let's move over to another side of the rosters, right? Because there's shit going on all the time and just the night after the night after SummerSlam. Yeah. That is correct. Um, our baby, our, our baby brother brand will be competing, um, themselves with a brand new takeover. So let's get to some NXT action. NXT. But, um, what does it mean? But, um, I don't know, but it's some good wrestling, so NXT, watch and see, got to tap out a count out of one, two, three, so. NXT moved over to the Sci-Fi uh, channel this week um, due to Olympic Games coverage on the USA Network. And I also learned that uh, both this week and next week's NXT are both pre-tapes, maybe to do with uh, something to do with that... Uh, uh, that that move over from USA with the Olympics. Yeah, so watch out for spoilers. Uh, don't click on anything you don't want to know. It is nice Things to like see that. though that um not I mean it was it was like a month uh, of, of the NBA the NBA playoffs it was like a month of AEW being on a weird schedule and things like that and it's nice to it's nice to know that that's not exclusive to uh, to TNT and to AEW right that yeah shit happens and then. Yeah, you have to work around it. So, um, that's uh, that's about that. So yeah, let's get to this week's episode of NXT because of course we are building towards Takeover Thirty Six, which um, will probably it's weird. What's there's weird? only like <laughs> most of them have names, but there's been like I mean Takeover Thirty makes sense, but wasn't there like another one that was just a random number? Uh. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Well, there was a couple of those in your houses. Well, those are something. Those were like something completely different, and then yeah, thirty number. was one. But I guess since, uh, yeah, certainly since you know we're just here at the Capitol Wrestling Center, it seems weird that we would give it a name or like you know normally takeovers like takeover Toronto, takeover New York. But now that is like what takeover Capital Wrestling Center just doesn't have the same uh, kind of ring to it. But we need to start booking that card because it is now three half weeks away. And um, this week's episode of NXT actually kicks off with some uh, tag team action. What is this Wednesday night? <laughs> it used to be. Uh, but yes, we get Tommaso Ciampa, Timothy Thatcher taking on Pete Dunne, and One Lorcan. 
So, uh, you know, four four real technical submission-style wrestlers here that mesh well together. Mm-hmm. So, good match. Hard-hitting. Uh, Thatcher's got Lorkin in this ankle lock outside the ring when Ridge Holland makes his return, attacking Thatcher. And, uh, yeah, we last saw him with that gruesome leg injury from last year. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah somewhere, somewhere in the fall, I think he took, like, a moonsault. When he yeah, was just took a on big the bump floor. or trying to catch someone on the floor. Yeah, it was a free, freakish accident, but uh, clearly yeah. worked incredibly hard to get himself back into a ring-ready shape. Yeah, uh, but this leaves Ciampa on his own and back in the ring. Dunn hits him with the bitter end, gets the win for these these uh, British bruisers, whatever we call them. The Brits, um, Brit. you know, a little bit of a bummer to see Tommaso Ciampa and... Uh, uh, Timothy Thatcher take a step back, especially because I want them in the fucking tag title scene. Quite frankly, yeah, we've always we've always got support for the Thatch Man on this show. You know it. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I remember remember at one point Pat McAfee was involved with this group. Or he was the one that brought Ridge Holland in. Or yeah, something. he was certainly the one who brought him in to their uh, their faction before War Games. You know, Pat McAfee now has other priorities. He, can, yeah, he can't be but, doing uh, it all for WWE. Yeah, but they had plans for Ridge Holland, so we'll see if they just kind of pick up and, I don't know. I mean, the NXT roster is mostly has not changed since October, right? I mean, Keith Lee has been gone. He left before that. Uh, other than, like, just firing Velveteen Dream, I, it seems like the roster is actually pretty much the exact same. Just you know, rivalries and things have uh, maybe split off a little bit. Yeah, yeah, mostly. Uh, one thing that they didn't have was Samoa Joe, who comes out next, and uh, he does himself. He sets up the whole thing. He goes under the the ring, pulls out a mini table uh, and a regular sized chair, and he's got a contract. And he just we have an impromptu contract signing is. Samoa Joe says he knows he knows Cross isn't here tonight, so Mr. Regal, please join me in the ring. And Mr. William Regal, he comes out. Joe says he knows that your planning your plans are to fire Carrion Cross for attacking you last week, but Joe says he's got a better solution. Three steps, three step program here. So step one, you sign this paper that I officially quit NXT management. And then step two, you sign this one that says I'm reactivated as part of the active roster. So Regal hesitates, but then he signs the paper and the crowd pops big for that. And the final step, step three, he says, sign this one to make it official. Carrying Cross for Samoa Joe for the NXT title at TakeOver 36. So Regal signs that and looks like we have our main event. Let's go, Joe. Just like that, just like that, a um, and, and this is carrying cross Samoa Joe for that NXT Championship is the type of money match that I don't think NXT has had in a long time, if not possibly ever. I mean, the past three, four years of NXT has been filled with uh, you know, these these incredibly highly athletic matches, right? Got you know near falls, slapping legs. Uh, destroyers, these sorts of things. Um, but I don't think we've ever really had a big bad guy versus big bad guy, especially two who are submission specialists. 
in that same kind of way also. I mean, Keith Lee, Karrion Cross really didn't have the... What, was that a match? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that really didn't have the, the gravitas of, you know, the two big men meeting in the ring. Uh, the way that maybe we haven't seen since... Naughty. I mean, I wouldn't even call Bobby Roode Drew McIntyre. I wouldn't even call that like two big no, men. No, no. You know, like uh, this is this is a very u rare, unique opportunity for NXT. And Samoa Joe is just fucking terrifying when he's angry. Yeah, and I think Samoa Joe he still moves the needle. Like people that don't watch NXT might watch this because Samoa Joe's back after such a long time not wrestling. And and it's amazing though that. WWE main roster does not does never cross promotes NXT. It is amazing yeah, to this, me uh, that they <laughs> don't ever say because all you need on Monday Night Raw is just one next Tuesday or you know check out this Saturday on Peacock uh, where yeah. Raw former Raw commentary Samoa Joe will be taking on Karrion Cross. They, they never say shit like that. Over on AEW, yeah. <laughs> there's a fucking ticker that just shows you the dark results. Like yeah. I feel like I mean, that's they didn't a, even mention. NXT once when Cross was fighting, did they? Not he even. He was fighting the match. Just the, just the yeah. fact that he had the belt and that he was NXT champion. Not like he gets a win over Keith Lee, and then all you need is for fucking Saxton to go, if you like that, check out USA Network tomorrow yeah. night. He'll be there also. It's amazing that they don't cross-promote, especially when AEW does that so well. They'll always, you know, they'll cut to a quick <laughs> highlight from Dark Elevation, or it's it's mostly the same commentary team. You know, they make comments about these things. There's the ticker that will show you results from YouTube aired shows. It's a real super missed opportunity if you really want to talk about moving the needle. I mean, yeah, definitely they should do more to promote this because he's back, Samoa Joe. It's official. I think we're all hyped. Yeah, this will be a, this will be a war for the ages. Yeah, could be the match of the weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, it could be. Well, it is SummerSlam weekend, and we have some high hopes. <laughs> we then go to the golf course where Cameron Grimes is caddying for L.A. Knight, but he doesn't know much. You know, he doesn't know which clubs are which, but he's making these side bets with them. You know, like 5000 bucks, you're going to hit the tree. 5000 bucks, you're going to put it in the water. Things like that. Uh, but, yeah, so... Eventually, he's just getting on his nerves, so he tells Grimes to go fetch his ball from the water when Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase rolls up in his Million Dollar Golf Cart. And he's just like, what are you doing, kid? You're a mess. You're much better than this. You weren't born to be a butler. You're born to be a champion. Don't lose your pride. I know you're a fighter. So that kind of ins nice inspirational speech for Grammy there. And, uh, but then the grizzled young veterans pull up, and they start some trouble, so... They make a bet. Who can sink the ball next for $20,000? Um, Grimes takes a turn. He winds up, nails Knight in the balls, and hits him in the head during his swing. But he sinks it. Hole in one. Uh, hmm. But yeah, that was kind of your whole golf. They split it into three parts, but I told you. Yeah, and you culminated it. Thank you for doing that. Of course, <laughs> we. this was the first time that we've been on a WWE golf course. I believe since the Viking Raiders... And uh, Street Profits had their little, like, they kept playing different sports back-to-back. -back. Yeah. You remember that? And it's this like landed attempt. so much better than that that, 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 that entire other segment did. Uh, this is a, It's a lot of fun. 
this L.A. Knight, Cameron Grimes thing, although, uh, you know, they're not wrestling, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, before this feud, L.A. Knight, I mean, he was... He was good, but uh, this is getting him better. Like, yeah, now I, I have a reason to hate him. Yeah, I think w- when LA Knight first came in, we were worried, like, oh, no, they're going to rocket him to the top. And I thought he was going to win. Uh, there was that North American ladder match, championship ladder match. I thought he was going to win that. I'm like, yeah, this is the dude who you put in the spotlight. And then along comes Cameron Grimes, then Ted DiBiase, and they make this work. It's like, hey, you can put somebody in the spotlight without them being, like, one of the main guys. This uh, this million dollar championship is working out perfectly. Yeah, so uh, hopefully soon we'll just get that rematch booked. Yeah, for takeover. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, but we got this NXT breakout tournament still. So Carmelo Hayes takes on Josh Briggs. Uh, yeah, Briggs was big. Hayes was high flyer. Uh. Yeah, eventually Briggs hits a huge big boot, turns him inside out, followed by another big choke slam. Uh, but Hayes kicks out of that and has his big comeback. Hits a leg drop off the top rope onto the back of Briggs' neck. And that gets him to three. Now, not only do I think this was the big... this was I think this might have been my favorite of these, uh, you know, or the best match of this little tournament to date. But I think it was also the longest. Uh, you need time to like people. Right, you can't. Yeah. You it's yeah, hard. It's some... hard to like two guys in five minutes, you know. But yeah. seeing, but both people have to do. There are some great kickouts, some great boots here in this one. Now they haven't been showing us a bracket or anything like that. But I can only imagine that this will, or hopefully, maybe this will culminate at Takeover Thirty Six. Even if it is yeah. just with a match that fills time on the card. But I think the tournament deserves to finish uh, strongly. Yeah. No, I think they did flash the bracket briefly. Oh, they did? This. Okay. And, uh, Carmelo Hayes is going to face, what's his name? The Vink, whatever his new name is. Bra- Brandon Vink. Brandon Vink! I forget. Yeah, <laughs> I already forget. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai come out. And Raquel just cuts a promo about how she's dominated the division this past while. And, you know, who's next? And then Dakota grabs the mic and just... Puts her over, calls her Big Mommy Cool, a play on the Diesel nickname. And, uh, she says, you will always be champion as long as I have your back. But then she turns around and stabs her in the back with a huge kick to the face. Picks up the NXT title and lays it over the fallen Raquel. So, looks like we've got our TakeOver women's title match and I'm all for it. Yeah, you know, uh, Dakota Kai has been in and out, you know, with injuries, but because of that, has spent a long time in the shadows um, of NXT, right? You know, so, uh, yeah, we're hoping, you know, this this is going to be good. Raquel Gonzalez has looked super dominant the past almost year, uh, but it still yeah. does feel possible that Raquel Gonzalez uh, will lose. Also, putting her, I think Raquel Gonzalez at least, in the sole babyface position here of this matchup. So you think Raquel will be the babyface? I think so. Yeah, because I mean, Dakota was it was a heel move turning on her, but part of me thinks that they're gonna make Dakota the babyface. I would love, I would love to see that too. I would lo- also love to see that, but uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, who knows? I feel like the crowd's gonna cheer for Dakota, the hardcore takeover crowd. Mm-hmm. 
But we'll see. We'll see. Well, I mean, that being said, though, it is only whatever they can fit at that Capitol Wrestling Center. You know, it's not like it's... For TakeOver? Is it not at a th- crowd? No, it's, I think it's still at the CWC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Or at uh, least as, as, of, well, as it is right now. Um, no, I guess it probably is then. They would have had to start selling tickets. So, but. yeah, it can, it can only get so big. <laughs> we'll see then. Uh, but in the meantime, some women's tag action. Casey Catanzaro, Caden Carter take it on. Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamea. And, uh, yeah, they still got Robert Stone hanging around. And in the middle of the match, he just throws a wallet at Frankie for her to use, but it just hits her. And that allows Carter to get a hold of her and hit the neck breaker as Casey does the 450 splash. And Team Casey gets the win. Um, is uh, Frankie Monet even getting wins? It, it sort of seems, or I guess she is. This might have been her first loss. Um, yeah, but it seems to be the story each week that, like, uh, her abilities aren't there, and then she either wins in a squash against nobody, or then I guess here there's some kind of wallet interference. It'd be nice to see, because <laughs> apparently this competitor, she's been around the world doing this shit. Uh, yeah, I mean, they they hyped her up a long time with all those promos, but they don't give her a whole lot of in-ring You know, time. she is a, uh, a an Impact Women's Champion. She is a AAA Women's Champion former, right? And so it, uh, it'd be nice to, for us to see th- that version where she does exist instead of just this kind of slightly comedic booking. Yeah, and we haven't seen Presley in weeks. Well, you know, I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, that might not, uh, we might not never see him again. <laughs> That's okay. Let's get into uh, the next match of the evening, right? I guess after uh, after Frankie Monet <coughs> left, we yes. did get some tag team action. Uh, yeah, Imperium uh, taking on the Hit Row, uh, Shanti the Adonis, and Top Dollar. Uh, yeah, Imperium hanging there for a while, but Hit Row take over the match until Legato come out. And they attack, but uh, Top Dollar, he goes after them, but ends up leaving Ashanti the Adonis all alone. Aperium hit the double powerbomb and steal the win. Big upset. Big upset over a group that's been, uh, you know, performing very, very well. Uh, you know, to lose momentum so early. Yeah, and especially, I mean, Imperium, ever, they haven't really done anything since they lost the belt. They, uh-huh. they lost a member of their group to releasing and... Uh, yeah, see, so, uh, weird, weird booking decision here. Weird booking decision, um, but maybe acting as a, uh, unofficial, uh, number one contenders match of sorts, right? MSK needing a challenger for that takeover. Maybe, uh, uh maybe a hard-fought win like this one is what, what maybe punches Imperium, <laughs> excuse me, oh my god, what punches Imperium's ticket to be those challengers. Maybe, but that's not my match. I want to see MSK versus Imperium. Doesn't do a lot. I'm hey man. I'm just trying to. Bo- I'm just booking the card. No, no, I'm I, just booking yeah. the card. No, this was just unusual. Yeah, this was unusual. This is more of a Monday Night Raw booking decision than an NXT. Oh, okay. But, yeah, possibly. Uh, anyways, one thing that they did announce that I'm very excited for is that Walter will be defending his NXT UK title. Against Ilya Dragunov at TakeOver 36. And they had a, f- 
amazing. One of the best matches of the year last year. So I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, uh, it wasn't like a 5-2-5, five and a quarter, I think. Yeah, I gave it five stars. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, if that's the rematch, bring it on. Bring it on. But uh, the main event for this show is Bronson Reed taking on Adam Cole. Uh, yeah, you know, good match. Nothing really, no real stakes here, nothing on the line. Um, Bronson Reed's kind of, you know, I think a lot of us figured he drops that North American title pretty quick. Uh, maybe getting called up, but hasn't happened yet. Which may or may not be for his benefit. I don't know. Yeah, it's hard still, to say still, days. still, nobody knows. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the wrestling was good. Adam Cole manages to hit a fucking Panama sunrise on the massive Reed. Uh, maybe one of the biggest Panama sunrises ever, <laughs> ever seen. Uh, but he kicks out of that. He fights back, climbs up the rope to go for Wade Barrett's favorite move, the tsunami. But Cole avoids that. Hits him with the last shot to get the win. But uh, he doesn't have much time to celebrate because Kyle O'Reilly comes out, attacks from behind with a chair, and then brainbusters him onto the steel steps. Stands tall over the coal Woof. at the end of the show. But is this a heel move by Kyle O'Reilly? I really don't know. I mean, I, I mean, hell, I think I think after whatever their last matchup was, I thought that this was the end of O'Reilly Cole. But no, it seems like Takeover will be. Maybe the climax, or maybe uh, Johnny Gargano, or maybe, sorry, maybe Adam Cole and uh, Kyle O'Reilly are just going to be the next Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, <laughs> where it's like, nah, give him one more. Give him yeah. one more. But uh, I think more importantly, yeah, you're right. The the uncertainty of what Bronson Reed's future is. Uh, it's nice to see him get a few more big matches before heading to one of the uh, one of the main one of the main roster brands. Uh, you know, you're uh, you're you're people can struggle on the main roster when they don't have that smaller NXT spotlight. So maybe, you know, he could have used a win, but giving him a great match is just as good. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it was fine, uh, but I guess. The the most I guess the whole point of it was the ending there with Cole getting laid out and uh, but yeah you know I mean Cole beat Kyle fair and square last time so yeah I don't know maybe this is the babyface turn for Adam Cole because everyone loves him anyways I mean he's gonna be super over no matter what so it's hard to say he makes a great heel he makes a great babyface it's really hard to say yeah. But that was NXT. Yeah, that was the whole NXT show. Uh, yeah, so no spoilers, folks, because it was pre-taped. I heard. I also, I also have not spoiled. I just heard that it was uh, pre-taped, and then tried to, you know, put on my horse blinders, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on um, to Wednesday night then, shall we? Because we are unaffected by the NBA playoffs. We are unaffected by the Tokyo Olympics. So let's just get from ahead to some AEW Dynamite. AEW. All Elite. They coming for you, Vince. Better watch out. It's too sweet. Uh, fight, That's for, right. fight for the Fallen, the third year of this charity show. Um, and... They've been telling us for a couple weeks. They've been telling us for a couple weeks now. We already know what the big match is going to be. We have this massive ten-man tag between Adam Hangman Page and members of the Dark Order taking on the entirety of the Elite, 
The IWGP US title is on the line, and just last week, to close off the show, we got the news of uh, Labor 2 of uh, the Five Labors of Jericho, a no-rules match between Chris Jericho and the King of the Deathmatch, Nick Gage, which will certainly be our main event. So if that's the main event, that means the show has to kick off with the other biggest match of the week, uh, which is that 10-man tag elimination match. So that kind yeah. of Survivor Styles, or sorry, Survivor Series rules. Uh, we have Adam Hangman Page, Alex Reynolds, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Stu Grayson taking on Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson, Kenny Omega, and the Young Bucks. And uh, the 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 Dark Order come out in a hybrid Dark Order cowboy type of getup. Hangman gets a cool little yeah. pre-taped promo or pre-taped video package. I love they all had matching purple bandanas. They all posed together. The, they were fully united. The, and the great. crowd was hot uh, for oh, yeah. this intro and for the entire match. And then on the other side, the Elite and Don Callis come out doing their best <laughs> uh, Space Jam impression, Space Jam 2, in theaters now. They are the Elite squad. They come out with basketballs. Y'all ready for this? In a <laughs> yeah, really, classic. really, really fun introduction. Uh, you know, Kenny Omega. So is the, what are you going to say? Is the y'all ready for this? Is that Space Jam's theme song? They own that song? No, I don't, I don't think it's like their theme song. It was just like a song from the 90s that they used a lot. Okay, because I know they played it, yeah, like on all the hockey games. So I'm exactly, it was just like rolling. a 90s thing. But, you know, if there's, if you know, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, they've done this before. They love having fun with their intros. Oh, whether, yeah. Every week they're wearing different outfits. Whether it outfits. be a new song, a new outfit, some kind of inspired by a video game or movie thing. It's a <laughs> lot of fun. And even Don yeah. Callis was getting in on the action. He was wearing uh, gym shorts, but then like with like like old man high socks. <laughs> he was looking great. Did of course, you, uh, he came out on commentary for the match. Have you watched the new Space Jam? No, I probably won't. Or any plans? No. Yeah, me neither. No. I don't really care. And I've heard bad things. I mean, it honestly uh, can't be worse than the first one, so... Uh, why not? The first one's at least nostalgic a little bit. Yeah. Not that it's very good. It's worse than but. not very good. But we're not... This isn't a what, movie. This is oh. not a movie podcast. This is a, this is a professional wrestling podcast where we have the elite taking on these members. So here's the... There is a stip... There are stips, though. So if Adam Hangman Page and the Dark Order are able to win... Then both Adam and a, a, a tag team of the Dark Order will have championship opportunities against Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Yeah, so a lot on the line here. Uh, but if they lose, they're not allowed to challenge for the titles. I don't think ever, but I think at least against the current group of Elite or whatever. At least that's what they said. That's what they said a couple weeks ago. A couple now weeks I, ago. They didn't say it tonight. Now, I don't remember <laughs> them saying that. that tonight. Yeah, yeah, they didn't say it tonight, but... Anyways, 10 men here, fast-paced, non-stop action. Uh, we have a bunch of bumps off the top rope, a superplex to the floor. Uh, the first elimination, Anderson rolls up Reynolds, grabs the trunks for the cheap three count. But pretty soon after that, Anderson gets hit with the fatality, so he's eliminated himself. Uh, and like you said, Dark Order, they just crowds loving everything they do. Uh, Stu Grayson ended up being one of the, the MVPs of this match. He hits this insane sky twister press where he just springboards and just spins his body like 1080 degrees at a super high speed and lands hard on the floor looked like he hit his head i don't know crashed hard but uh 
yeah, later on, they fight into the crowd. Stu, once again, he jumps off the balcony, taking out Drew or uh, Doc Gallows. But both men are still legal, and they're so far from the ring, they get countered out, double count out. So puts us down to three on three at this point. Uh, and then I think Uno, Evil Uno, goes up against Omega, gets hit with the one-winged angel, so he's out. John Silver comes in, starts running wild. He hits one of the best airplane spins I've seen on Matt. He just, like, launched him, sent him flying. I didn't think he was going to come back down. <laughs> he had such propeller. Uh, but anyways, Silver gets triple teamed. The Bucks hit him with an indie taker on the floor. Or Yeah, they, they set up a basketball net, and Nick tried to slam dunk a ball while doing the indie taker, but the ball missed. The ball kind missed, but and if it's any <laughs> consolation, when they were coming down to the ring, they were taking shots on the same hoop. They sunk all of them. So they it was yeah, like they, they, uh, they, they hit the shots but missed the dunk. I don't know. It would have been fun if it did happen. Would have been cool. They get dunked on. I mean, we on, all knew. But whatever. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was still a cool move. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and not too many people, you know, gave him a you fucked up or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he still, his hands hit the rim. It was just the ball it bounced was slippery. These Professional guys, basketball players. These guys are covered with oil. What do you expect? Yeah, we've seen the pros. Pros have missed a dunk when they're all alone. It happens uh, once in a while. Of course. It happens to the pros. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, they throw Silver back in the ring. Hit him with a BT tre- PTE trigger. So he's gone. Hangman is now alone against three other guys. Uh, he gets face-to-face with Kenny, who then spits in his face, showing his classless. Uh, and then, yeah, they just triple-team Hangman. Super kick party all over the place. Uh, but he puts up a hell of a fight. He hits a double buckshot lariat, taking out both bucks. Pins Matt to eliminate him. Uh, but then Kenny runs in, tries to hit him with the title belt. The ref stops him. They hand Kenny another belt. But then Hangman picks him up for the dead eye. Or he hits the dead eye, but Kenny kicks out of that at the last second. So Paige sets up for another buckshot lariat. But Nick grabs his leg on the floor. And as the ref turns to yell at Nick, Kenny hits Paige in the face with the belt, chucks it away, makes the cover, but Paige kicks out of that. So the crowd is in a frenzy. Kenny is furious, hits Paige with a couple of V-triggers, and then the one-winged angel. And that's it. Gets the pin. Wins the match for the Elite. Wow. You know, the crowd is stunned. This and, and what was fucking wild, chaotic, story-heavy... Um, and probably one yeah, of the best great. television matches, one of the better television matches you will ever see uh, in wrestling really was, you know, <laughs> and if this if this was, you know, if that stip that we had mentioned earlier that they didn't really mention this week about, you know, Hangman Page's championship opportunity. Hey, losing in a three on one or two on one situation. I don't know. That could be cause for uh, some kind of you know, title, like, a shot to earn an opportunity again, because All Out is, I honestly don't know when, but end of August, August. so we are probably only a month away from it. Yeah, Sorry, beginning beginning of September, sorry. Yeah, I mean, if whether or not they do stick to that step I mentioned, um, because as of right now, Paige can't fight Kenny for the belt, which we all thought would be the All Out main event. But now with all these other crazy rumors going around, I mean, would you just throw a CM Punk against Omega right away? And that's your title match? No, that's that's too much. <laughs> I know. But if Paige can't fight Kenny, 
what are they going to do? Yeah, I wonder who gets to I fight Kenny. Who's the first? Okay, well, okay. So out of anybody rumored or officially signed to the company, who is the most likely now on kicking out of the One Wing and Angel? Because somebody's going to do it eventually. Yeah, and I, f- I think it would be Hangman I Page. I feel like the biggest pop would be Hangman Page kicking out of it. That would be the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. That would literally so, be. So I mean, they still got a couple weeks. They can of course, but if that. if Hangman Page in some opportunity in a championship match kicks out of the One Winged Angel, that is literally two years of dynamite or three years of dynamite building up to that <laughs> one moment, like yeah. of your 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 homebred star, you know, young guy kicking out of the most protected move for the last what five years probably, something like that. Ah, oh, it'd be great. To, it'd be great to we'll see. see. Hangman Page is still yeah. my pick for All Out. He's my pick to kick out of that one winged angel, and just uh, yeah, despite whatever rumors are going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We've got about a month and a bit. We'll figure this all out. But uh, then the new FTW champ Ricky Starks comes out for his celebration. Uh, they've got a live New Orleans jazz band. Were they in New Orleans? I didn't pay attention. No, he's, uh, they're not. He, they're, he's from, he's New from New Orleans. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they were playing a little boogie woogie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whatever they, they, they were, were in uh, North Carolina. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so, Starks cuts a promo about winning the title, cuts into Brian Cage. Cage comes out, beats up the band members, uh, stands Starks running to the back. But, uh, yeah, Starks, not nearly the superstar that he was. A few weeks ago, the crowd wasn't quite as crazy for him. Uh, yeah. So that was weird. It was, from, it was in Texas, too, and he's from New Orleans, so I don't get it. That one show was just wild. Who the heck knows? Who the heck knows? Yeah, I um, Yeah, I mean, I couldn't tell you. Uh, but either way, I mean, I think Ricky Starks, maybe it's, not, maybe it's less that the crowd doesn't like him, but more just like, you know, Team Taz went on for so long. And now he's now just against Team Taz for so long. You know, like, it doesn't really feel like maybe anything's different. Yeah. Maybe that was just a one-hit wonder a couple weeks ago, that great match he had. I mean, I I sure as heck hope not. (laughs) Uh, Uh, Right after this matchup, though, um, because, of course, later on we are getting Lance Archer versus uh, Hikulio. Hikuleo. Yeah, Hikuleo. Hikuleo, sorry, for that uh, for that IWGP United States Championship. But we do get a special message pre-recorded uh, from one of professional wrestling's absolute all-stars, one of the greatest from New Japan, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who does come and tell us that he will be challenging the winner of this match... Uh, for that IWGP US Championship, a match I, I built that he's never had in the promo. He says he's going to challenge them in Japan for that yeah. whenever so, whenever that might be. But what are you going to say? Yeah, I was hoping that it would be, you know, take place in AEW. But I mean, maybe they'll still air it on AEW. Well, Mike, I mean, you you've been watching professional wrestling for years, right? You think that's how they're going to give it away? You think they're just going to go, yep, I'll wrestle you in Japan, and you will only see me in Japan, and you will never see me in the States. And then, Mike, you're being worked, and you're like, oh, boo. Boo, hoo, hoo. It's happened. If if the thought of 
you know, if the prospect of Tanahashi appearing on AEW Dynamite does not excite you one bit, you're either not a professional wrestling fan or you <laughs> are a professional wrestling fan, but only from the last, you know, but have no idea about who he is. He's a fucking legend. Just Google him. Well, wait, listeners, Google Hiroshi Tanahashi and then take, I don't know, four hours to read all about all of his accolades. <laughs> that's all I got. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm excited for that, oh. too. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I want to see him on Dynamite. <laughs> I mean, I guess we just did, but we just did, but I want to see him in the ring. Uh, anyways, let's go to some tag team action here. FTR taking on Santana and Ortiz. Two of the best teams in the division here. Um, everything was going pretty well up until Cash Wheeler. He climbs up the top ropes, but then he gets shoved and just kind of falls awkwardly and appears to get a nasty cut. Just slices open his arm and, I don't know, I guess got caught on a piece of metal there. But immediately I can hear the camera picked up. He heard him like, oh, my God. And then honestly, the ref, this looked bad to me. Um, it looked like a yeah, like a deep slice. And well, and the, the ref just signals, and, and the way that you, f- he just yeah, he just goes right off to the uh, the medical kind of area, and they're there, and we see yeah, later just, blood, and uh, uh, yeah, just because of the way uh, where of uh, just because of where he fell, that's not a place where you kind of normally get scratched up. It's a it's a hard surface, but the way that I think either like there was something sticking out, and his arm went right into it. Or I yeah, think like he hit the or I think he hit the apron and there was a compound fracture. I didn't go back and watch it because I mm. was scared, but I think I saw a bone popping out as soon yeah, as I don't. Uh, I didn't see that. I thought I saw like sliced open arm. Okay, yeah. The, I did. I did. Yeah. The way that it happened, I, I thought to myself, either like something that wasn't supposed to go into your arm went into his arm or there was a compound fracture of some kind. Hopefully, hopefully it's neither, or, you know, I mean, it's definitely something, but whatever it is, God, I want, I want him to be okay. Yeah. Hopefully nothing like too crazy. Um, but it definitely did put a, a hush in the match as they kind of just rushed to the finish. Hardwood hits a big brain buster, gets the pin, but immediately after just goes and checks on Wheeler and we can see blood coming out of his arm. But, yeah, we'll see what the update is, is on him. Yeah, well, I mean, God, just hoping for the best, really. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the only injury, as Britt Baker is interviewed backstage and reveals that Nyla Rose broke her wrist for the second time in her title defense last week. But, you know, hopefully that's something uh, she can fight through. So if it's not too bad a break, I can heal in like four weeks. And I mean, what the hell, out. Britt Baker, though, right? Like, so how? How is this happening? Now, this has to, so I, and uh, where's the shoot meter on this, <laughs> right? So professional wrestling is something that is scary and you need to be good at to protect the other people. Now, oftentimes the community will give flack on Nia Jax for injuring other women, right? Mm -hmm. But when you are the one being constantly injured, is it not safe to turn that around and be like, it's not her who's the dangerous one, it's the other women in the division who are dangerous? Clear, I mean, what? So we have a torn ACL, a broken nose, and now a broken wrist in, what, two years? Is mm-hmm. this possibly a case of the other and but but she can have the most brutal women's match ever 
and be totally fine. <laughs> uh, is this possibly a matter of the women's division not being, with uh, the AEW women's division, maybe not being up to par, maybe being a little bit more dangerous? That could be part of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people, WWE has their formulaic ways, but, you know, it could be the safer route but, and for some of them. It seems like the way that you go through the performance center. Well, you know, especially with WWE, you go through the Performance Center, you practice, you have coaches who are, you know, like world, you know, renowned. They're known for wrestling. They do one thing and they're it's fucking wrestling. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, shit. I just kind of hope for the fucking best that this isn't, you know, a, this isn't a problem with the women's division itself. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it was just a bit of a freak thing. I didn't even really see or notice her getting hurt in the actual match. But, yeah, I don't know. I think Baker can fight through it. She just had like a little, I don't even know if it was a cast. She had like some sort of brace on her arm. Yeah, it was a cast. It looked like a cast at least. It was a full-on cast? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was black, so they got it nicely done. Uh, but after that, they announced that Rampage... The episode taking place in Chicago, August 20th, will be a special event known as the First Dance. So speculation is running wild that that could be the first appearance of CM Punk what? to set up a match for two days later at all. Why? Out. Does he have a uh, a dance thing? Is that a part? Is that part uh, of his lore? Well, I mean, it's in Chicago, so. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So just because it's in Chicago. Gotcha. And if, yeah. And, uh, you know, to pour some fuel on the fire of these rumors, we go backstage to Darby Allen and Sting getting interviewed. And Darby cuts this slightly cryptic promo. But at the end, he says, even if you think you're the best in the world, uh, I'm better. But that whole best in the world, that's a clear CM Punk reference. But, uh, yeah, if there's one, if AEW, if there's, if AEW can just play into all the Twitter nerds, they're going to do it fucking every single week if the opportunity arises them, right? Be like, oh, he said it. He said that one little yeah. line. Um, so I think it's, yeah, it's in a couple weeks the show premieres. August 13th. I, uh, yeah, so I guess this will. I believe. So that'll be the second episode of Rampage, and that's my prediction. We see CM Punk show up on that on one. On the second episode of Rampage. Yeah. Because, yeah, because, well, because if All Out is on the 5th of September, that's yeah. still, like, what, they three weeks have... between the first Rampage and the actual thing? Yeah, so they can have time to have CM Punk show up, start a feud, have a match. Great. <laughs> that's yeah. all you need. <laughs> Uh, but we go to that IWGP US title match, Lance Archer taking on Hikaleu, accompanied by WWE legend, well, wrestling legend, King Haku, who you may not be too familiar with, but, uh, he's known as one of the scariest, don't fuck with this guy backstage type of thing. Like, he will pluck your eyeball out of your skull. Jesus. That's how crazy. Bite your nose off your face. <sighs> wow. Crazy motherfucker. But also tough, not just crazy. <laughs> but anyways, Archer, he's a big man. This Hikaleo, though, he's actually pretty. He got a few inches on Lance Archer. He was tall. But, uh, yeah, Haku tries to interfere a bit behind the ref's back. But Archer overcomes, hits the blackout, gets the win. 
retains his belt. Retained. So he will take on Tanahashi. Which means that, yeah, he's heading off to Japan, baby. Uh, you know, to maybe kind of keep that belt over there, or maybe just kind of like the New Japan, it's like the New Japan Dojo or whatever in uh the the wet the you know like the American New Japan. Uh, yeah, could be kind of doing that also. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, we then go to Cody sitting at his EVP desk or mm-hmm. just working behind the scenes, and uh, he gets interviewed about facing Malachi Black and. Some more noticeable boos, noticeable boos from the crowd as Cody's talking. Uh, but then a big cheer when he gets interrupted by a boot to the face from Aleister Black. Sorry, Malachi Black. Uh, <laughs> that might take a bit. That might take a minute because that's a whole new name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Black and Cody, they just start brawling up to the stage and Black stands tall. Uh, some Someone comes out and gets another Black Mass as well. I forget who it was. Uh, Fuego Del Sol. There you go. The legend Lucha. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But I think the <laughs> booze, yeah, for me, the booze were the biggest part that I really noticed about this. Um, yeah, I think this match is a no-brainer, and they're doing the whole all-black, all-white. I get exactly what's happening. Uh, but, yeah, Malachi Black is going the fuck over. He's, he's over like Rover. As Bruce yeah. Burchard would say, and yeah, I mean this. It seems like if the rumors are true with Malachi Black, if there is any time that you know the network can kind of say to themselves, "Hey, we don't need Cody on TV anymore," maybe this could be <laughs> maybe this could be a match to take Cody away from that on-screen role. I mean, he did just have a kid, and he is he's super involved within the entire organization, right? Yeah. Well. This match is taking place next week on Dynamite, so I don't know. I have to imagine Cody will be on All Out, so if they can extend it to that, or if they just want to, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Yeah, who knows, really? Then we go to six-man tag action. The Hardy family office taking on Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Christian. Uh, yeah, pretty standard six-man affair here. Uh, I guess the coolest part for me was when Luchasaurus gets there and hits a triple German suplex, taking <laughs> all three of his opponents at once. Uh, then, yeah, he hits Mark Quinn with a big choke slam, tags in Christian, hits the frog splash, gets a three count. But as the baby faces celebrate, the blade comes in, sucker punches Christian with the brass knuckles, leaves him knockout cold. So well, I don't know where that came from. I thought the blade was fusing with the best friends and shit. Yeah, honestly, no clue what's going on over there uh, on that side of things. But yeah, the crowd <laughs> the crowd had a lot of energy for these baby faces. The baby faces go over. It'd be a lot of cool to see Christian Cage, who's being billed from Toronto. Uh, I'm not sure. Not Orange. Not, not Orange. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure where where they used to bill him uh, in WWE, where he was where he was billed from or anything like that. But uh, yeah, I think they said Toronto. Yeah. Who knows? They may have said, uh, but I think no. I think he was from. It's um. It's Edge who's from Orangeville. Christian is from uh, uh, like Kitchener or Peterborough. Like uh, like not. But you know, still you know. I mean, uh, almost always they'll just say Toronto. Of course, it's better than them saying. Or sometimes they lie. They'll just make up an American city. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's better than them just saying from Canada. Yeah. Uh, uh, Julia Hart. Speaking of Canada takes on Thunder Rosa, 
who has finally officially signed with AEW, which I think we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. It was only a matter of time. And she's currently the number one ranked woman in the division. So, uh, yeah, carrying lots of momentum here. Julia Hart puts up a pretty good fight. She's got a lot of promise there, but uh, Rosa just outclasses her, hits the Thunder Driver to get the win. So at this point, I'm hoping, you know, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, part two, all out. That's your woman's title match right there. That seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, especially, yeah, if Britt Baker can kind of kind of peel her wrist before then. And, uh, yeah, the, the AW Women's Division, this is the kick that it certainly needs. We need women like Thunder Rosa. We need people like Chris Statlander. We need people who's kind of being thrown into that spotlight a little bit more. Because still, mm-hmm. this was still our only women's match on the entire card. Yeah, so. and it's still stuck in that 930 spot always. Yeah, that exact fucking same spot. <clears throat> but we've got a hell of a main event for you tonight because the second labor of Jericho, we've got a no rules, pretty much a death match here because the pain maker, Chris Jericho, is taking on Nick Gage. Who, um, oh yeah, he, he's just known for his craziness. Uh, you might have seen, did you see the clips of Matt Cardona beating him for the GCW title? And. The fans just going wild, throwing a bunch of shit I, I only heard Meltzer talking about the fans being assholes <laughs> like that. Uh, Meltzer. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty. Meltzer recalled yeah, a they story. Were throwing... There is a story of, I think it was a luchador guy um, who, yeah, fans, you know, and fans, because the fans, you know, now are saying like, oh, it was just like plastic cups and shit like that. But there was apparently a luchador wrestler from the 90s. Fans did the same thing. Somebody threw a battery which hit that guy in the eyeball, and he's been blind in that one eye ever since. So, yeah, if you're a fan, don't throw shit in the ring unless it's streamers and you're at a Ring of Honor show. Um, yeah. No, this was this was like full beer cans and a couple pizza cutters got thrown yeah, out. Yeah, which is, they should be checking for weapons <laughs> as soon as people walk in. But yeah, Nick Gage, the... Well, they encourage them. They want the weapons. <laughs> of these Nick Gage, the, uh, the king of the hardcore style and a no rules match as, uh, as labor number two for Chris Jericho. Yeah. So right off the bat, Gage just pulls out a pizza cutter and he's swinging it around like a wild man and catches Jericho in the arm. Cuts him open. So no gimmicks here, folks. That's a real pizza cutter. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's a couple of minutes where they actually do some some wrestling moves. I think Gage is like a spine buster, Falcon Zero. A couple moves there. Uh, Jericho's head gets cut open. and We pull out some more weapons. Gage goes under the rings, pulls out a big stack of uh, fluorescent light tubes. A staple of the ND Deathmatch. The, li- the uh, old light tube. <laughs> and a staple of every classroom in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Chris Jericho pulls out his baseball bat to counter him, starts hitting him with that, but then Gage gets the pizza cutter back and just starts rubbing it across Jericho's forehead, so he's all sliced up. And then Gage pulls out this pane of glass. And I noticed there was kind of this unmentioned handler just kind of helping him a bit set up. Yeah, a he had a guy there. who he kind of grabs like, give me that. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, I guess, you know, save some time. We're on a budget here. 10 o'clock, the show has to end, so he grabs a big pane of glass, sets it up across two chairs, so we got a glass table here, they fight their way up to the top rope, uh, 
Gage looks to slam Jericho, but Jericho reverses it. It's a huge top rope hurricane, Rana. Gage crashes down through the glass pane. Both men are just cut up everywhere. Uh, yeah, just bleeding all over. Jericho goes for a code breaker, but he gets slammed down into the glass shards, which, I mean, would have happened anyways, even if he hit the code breaker. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I also noticed Aubrey Edwards was wearing some heavy-duty gloves Yeah, here she had actual, like, mechanic gloves on. Yeah, like, heavy padded. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, you're going to be slamming your hand down the glass and shit. Uh, then we get the, the light tubes. We uh, Gage smashes it over Jericho's back. And then a second one smashes it over his skull. And then he picks him up, pile drives him into all the broken glass, makes the cover. But Jericho kicks out it, too. So Gage grabs another light tube. This time he just smashes it in half over his leg and then uses the, the jagged broken end as a, a shiv and just starts set, stabbing Jericho rapidly in the forehead. Then he pulls out the, the super light tubes, which is four of them, taped together. Goes to hit Jericho with it, but Jericho then surprises him with the poison mist. Sprays him in the eyes, blinding him. And then he picks up the quadruple light stack and smashes it over Gage. Follows it with a Judas effect. Gets the three count. Wins the second labor. Wins the the second labor. Bloody mess. MJF was on commentary the whole time. Of course, doing a great job. Uh, You know, he tells everybody to shut up. Shut up, Shivoni. Shut up, JR. Yeah. Uh, he did an incredible job on the um, the thing. And then afterwards, you know, that scarf-wearing, spoiled little brat comes out. Um, that uh, after holding a grudge on a joke based two years ago when Jericho was buff, <laughs> was the AW champion and had pointed fun at his parents maybe uh, watching a match with Jericho and Juventud Guerrera. Maybe got a little too excited, and then he was conceived, and uh, MJF responds, who's Juventud Guerrera? Well, it turns out that not only does he know who he is, he did a quick Google search, got his contact info, and next week's labor of Jericho uh, will be that Chris Jericho needs needs to get a pinfall with a maneuver off the top rope, and he will be going against none other than his WCW former rival, Juventud Guerrera. Yeah, so I mean that's exciting. That's a lot of. I mean, I haven't seen Hoovy in a long time, but I remember him would play as him in some of the WCW video games. All the crazy moves he would do. Um, yeah, that should be fun. And Jericho, I mean, what's he gonna do? A frog splash off uh-huh. the top rope? I don't. I certainly don't see him doing any flips. Um, maybe, maybe like. I mean, he does a lion yeah, salt. Maybe, he maybe could do, he could do a, I think he could salt. do a lion salt off the uh, top rope. But either way, I think either this match was thumbs up or thumbs down. There was super no in the middle. Like, I'm sure you'll talk, you'll, you might talk to somebody who's like, no, I hate it. And then you might talk to somebody who's like, I love it. And you might talk to somebody who's like, I really liked it. You know, there's, there was no two sides of this coin. I think I, (laughs) even though, you know, this was that, that kind of death match style. I think I liked it because I don't watch death match wrestling. So yeah. seeing this I don't, was uh, like, wow, this is cool. Yeah, I don't go out of my way to watch Deathmatch Wrestling, no. but I see some clips here and there. And I think this was the perfect amount. You know, they didn't do anything so insanely stupid like certain people do. and uh, But it was still over the top. You'd never see stuff like this. Like 
this may be the first time you've seen light tubes on major North American promotions. And it's just it's TV. just like, you know, when you watch something with the thumbtacks and the mouth or whatever it is, it's because the, the cringiness you get is because you probably don't get to watch it that often. Um, yeah. And, so I thought it was really good. And for, Ni- and for Nick Gage, the uh, major fucking milestone and opportunity for him, right? Because you got to remember, these guys who are into deathmatch, I think a guy like Nick Gage uh, into this deathmatch style, like this is a passion for him. Just like Zack Sabre Jr. likes submissions. Just like Braun Strowman <laughs> loves running around the ring and knocking people over. You know, like this is his thing. He loves doing it. And he got the opportunity to show the entire world what it is. Is. Uh, so I think that is really cool. And for Juventud Guerrero next weekend, or sorry, next week rather, I'm almost excited for, uh, not only am I excited for the match uh, next week, I'm excited for uh, Labor 4 and 5. I'm thinking to myself, uh, who? what else are we going to do? Is, is this whole Labor thing going to be a great opportunity to bring you know, other people into the spotlight for a little bit? Nick Gage and then Juventud, and then who knows, it could be somebody else with a thing and who knows number five could be dean malenko hopping back in there for all we know uh very excited to see Hmm. what the future of this holds oh well there's some speculation going on that this could be a farewell tour of sorts for jericho i mean he went pretty all out in this match here this is definitely the bloodiest most hardcore match he's had in his career you know, fighting some classic rivals on his way out and end with the big match. Put MJ over, MJF over. The final labor could be put your career on the line against me. I mean, and that's really what it seems. You know, if this is, I feel like our, I feel like our timing isn't quite right for the, uh, the for this to be at all out. But I think the week before all out or a week and a half, they go to Madison Square Gardens. Or um, so there's a chance that that I mean that's a huge fucking show for that to happen, right? And if there's one guy who's gonna go out putting somebody over, it's the goat, right? It's Chris fucking Jericho. Um, yeah. And yeah, this labor. Yeah. And you know, and I mean, he's probably got to be almost fifty now, right? Or at least mid forties. His band, you know, are able to go back on tour. He will always be a fixture in all elite wrestling, but he has been on TV every single week, every pay per view for two years now, since the inception of this company. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he might not necessarily have to retire, but maybe become a part time guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? But. Who knows? Yeah, the labors will continue, and we're looking forward. We're to looking forward to next week's labors um, and the rest of it as we build towards All Out, SummerSlam, and Takeover. Let's uh, let's wrap up this show nice and neatly by presenting to you the wrestler of the week. Mr. Wrestler of the week of the week, wrestler of the week of the week of the week, the wrestler of the week. Mike, I'm going to go first. We just kind of talked about it a bunch right there uh, for a lot of reasons. It was the bloodiest match of his career. Um, putting, you know, letting a deathmatch guy like Nick Gage come in on you, let him bloody you up, but st- you still get the pin. Hey, it's kind of like putting him over. You're putting over his style of wrestling. You're putting over uh, something new that the fans might not be used to. So I got to give this week's Wrestler of the Week to Chris Jericho. If he is on the way out, uh... I I feel incredibly lucky that I was able to witness uh, possibly the one of the best stretches of his entire career. 
Yeah, no, this AEW run has been and fantastic. even the slight before AEW run with the stuff in New Japan, Kenny Omega, you know, kind of kicking off with that Kenny Omega match at Wrestle Kingdom twelve. Uh, the, yeah. the these past five years of Chris Jericho's life have been incredible, and if this is it, well, then I'm so glad I got to be an opportunity. Uh, so glad I got to watch it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'll just go in full agreement there, Chris Jericho. Uh. I mean, he outdid Moxley. That was the most hardcore match, I think, in AEW history. So yeah, I'd give and you he's that. not even really known for I'd that. I'd give you that, too. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. And I mean, yeah, Nick Gage uh, kind of put a big spotlight on him. You know, he got to be on a TV audience of over a million people. So if people, like you said, some people, not everyone's going to like that. There are probably some parents or kids that are going to be like, that's too much. But I thought it was great. Yeah, that's all there is to it. Chris Jericho, well done. Congratulations, Chris Jericho and both Nick Gage. And God, that was the entire show. Ran a little bit long today, but that's okay because uh, we love talking about professional wrestling here. Thanks for listening. You can rate, review, like, subscribe because the show is everywhere. And we will be back uh, next week with the next Labor, the next uh, uh, <laughs> Unfortunate Saga in Monday Night Raw. And and uh, all of that uh, main roster and professional wrestling action. Yeah, and whatever rumors are swirling in between now and then. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to a little bit of that. Okay, Mike, you take care of yourself. 